And I'm going to ask the musicians if they'd stay up here for just a moment, please. Go ahead and get yourselves prepared. And Keegan and Allison, if you would, please get that first song we sung back up and ready to go. Um, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me. <laughs> and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, please. While they're preparing, those of you who know me know that I'm a planner when it comes to preaching. But I've learned whenever God starts to stir in your heart, you listen. You don't ignore it. I don't know why, but I know God's doing something in my heart at the moment. Ephesians chapter number 2, I'm going to read a portion of this, and then I'm going to ask that we sing this song one more time. And I want you to think. I want you to think on the Scripture, and I want you to think on the song we just sang. And we're about to sing once more. I'm going to ask you to do something for this bald-headed preacher, please. I'm going to ask you to sing to the Lord this morning. I'm going to ask you to testify of the Lord this morning with your voices. Ephesians chapter number 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, Can we not read past this? Can we just pause for a moment and focus in on what the Word of God is sharing with us this morning? But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Read verse 4 with me, please. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Can we sing once more, Behold our God. Who has 
has held the ocean in his hands, who has numbered every grain of sand. Kings and nations tremble at his voice, all creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare, come let us adore Him. Who has given counsel to the Lord, who can question any of His words, who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. has felt the nails upon his hands, bearing all the guilt of sinful man. God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen now to reign. Behold our God, seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Behold our King, Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Him. As we gather this morning just to adore you for a moment, thank you. Thank you that you bore all the shame that I deserved. Thank you, Father, that you <laughs> rose from the dead. Father, help us, Lord, this morning as we get into your word to give pause for just a moment to check whether or not we have allowed you to reign in our hearts. Father, that we would not leave from this place as if we were dead, but Father, we would run out of here rejoicing because we are alive. Father, not to allow the distractions of this world to cause any issue in our uh, homes or in our, uh, our workplaces, but Father, that we would look to you and point others that direction as well. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Bless us, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I don't know if you've ever been driving with someone. You weren't sure where they were going. You, you'd never been there before, but they're in the passenger seat. And uh, you're just driving along, fat, dumb, and happy. And, and then they let you know at the last second you're supposed to turn here. <laughs> you got to smack the brakes and hope that the person behind you does not plow into you power turn, 
and just hold on for dear life. That's kind of the way I feel this morning. But I've learned that God knows better than me, and I'm okay with that. I want you to take a look with me this morning, if you would, in in Ephesians chapter number 2. We just read the first ten verses. Let's continue just for a minute in the next few verses. And verse number 11 says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, but that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus ye, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I want you to think for just a moment, if you're born again this morning by the Spirit of God, if you have placed your, your trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He is speaking that you were, at one time, you were alienated from God. At one time, you were an enemy of the cross. At one time, you did not know Him. At one time, you were deserving of death. At one time, you were this. But, that was then. And the Apostle Paul here in this chapter is trying to wake up a group of people in Ephesus saying, don't forget this. You go back to what he talked about in the very first verse. He says, you hath he quickened. That simply means he made you alive. If he made you alive, why is it that time and time again we go through this life acting dead? We sing songs about the God who loved us so much that he died for us and we just stand there. We, we walk through life worried about, uh, about some disease or some, uh, some politician or, or something that's going on around us and we forget we're not dead anymore. We're alive because of Jesus Christ. And if that can't excite you, nothing can. And I don't understand why I go through my, in my mind, I look in the mirror and I say, why do you act dead when you are alive? I read this passage, and it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because he reminds me of what I once was. And my favorite two words, but God. Can we just think about that for a minute? The direction that we were heading, but God. Notice what it says about God in that verse. Verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. You know what the difference between mercy and grace is, I hope. By this, uh, by this stage, we, we need to understand the difference because this is where all other world religions mess things up. This is where all other belief systems mess it up. The difference between mercy and grace is mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Now, it's used in the positive sense, not in the negative sense. It would be, it would be a miss for me to, uh, to leave you in that thinking, well, if I don't get my due, my due justice, I deserve this, but I'm getting this, then that's not mercy. No, no, no. 
It's the other way around. I deserve this, but I'm getting this. That's grace. I deserve this, but he withholds it. You know, the idea would be a, a child who has, uh, uh, has uh, disobeyed and maybe gone astray, and, and the, the father has to come along and has to say, you know what, because you did this, I have to punish you. You deserve the punishment, but he withholds. That's the mercy. What Paul wanted to remind us of, he says, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and said, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Stop there for a minute and realize what the Apostle Paul is saying right there. Wherein in time past. Why is it that many times I find myself not in the past tense, but in the present tense, walking after the course of this world? I've struggled this week in in my mind, and I've wrestled things out in my mind about certain things, and, and, and I'm still wrestling it out. But I come to this place where I look and I say, what am I doing to contribute to the cause of Christ? I have to be honest and examine it. Now, I'm in the position of, of, of being a pastor or being a preacher, and so a lot of times I'm placed in a position of putting myself out there and saying, hey, this is what I do. But can I also let you know that part of my role as a preacher, as a teacher, as a pastor, is to guide you to do the same? Can I ask you what you are doing to further the kingdom of God? Can I ask you? you Without, listen, I'm not asking you anything I have not asked myself over and over and over and over again this week. What have you done this week to introduce someone to Jesus Christ? What have you done this week to introduce someone who is dead in their trespasses and sins to the one who can quicken, who can make them alive again? Many of us can think of the things that we did to further our hobbies. Many of us can think of the things that we did to make sure that we we binge watched that favorite TV show we've got. Many of us can think of the things that maybe we did to, uh, to improve our uh, taste buds. Many of us can maybe even think of the things that we did this week to uh, get some, uh, some much-needed rest and relaxation. Many of us can think of the things that we did this week or the things that we maybe uh, 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 passed along and shared with one another that made sure that our specific candidate was promoted. But what did we do for Christ? unadulterated, nothing hidden, nothing behind the scenes about it, just right out, this is what I'm doing, my service for Jesus Christ to show other people who can make them alive. I've been asking myself over and over and over this week, and I'm here to tell you, I'm ashamed 
As your pastor, I'm ashamed of me. When I look in the beautiful Word of God, and I sing Sunday after Sunday, I'm ashamed that I haven't done more. For the God who is rich in mercy. Who withheld what I deserved. And placed it on his son. I'm humiliated. As I look in the mirror. Of God's holy word. All I can do is beg God. Forgive me. And let this week be different. Even we, when we were dead in sins, <laughs> hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I want you to notice something that is, is put out in the next three verses that ought to drive every single one of us to our knees. Or ought to at least drive every single one of us to our feet, pull out a hanky, wave it around and say, to God be the glory, thank you Jesus. Verse 8 says, for by grace are ye saved. Get that? Grace, undeserved, unearned favor and kindness. I did not deserve the grace of God. I did not earn the grace of God. Many of us think in our minds, uh, well, I have to do certain things in order for God to like me. Or I have to live a certain way in order for God to save me. And I got to, I've got to earn my way. Or I've got to, maybe I don't earn my salvation, but I've got to spend the rest of my life showing God that I'm thankful for my salvation. Stop right there. We have to understand it is the grace of God. It is His gift to us. It says it right there. It is the gift of God. My wife gives me gifts from time to time. Not because I earned it. Now, there are certain things that I get because I earned. But from time to time, she'll give me a gift. I like homemade ice cream. I don't know if you all like homemade ice cream. I like homemade ice cream. I especially like it when it doesn't leave that film at the top of your mouth. I don't know why, but a lot of times that homemade ice cream kind of custardifies and you get this wax on the top of your mouth and you feel like you have to scrape till kingdom come. Well, I had an ice cream maker. Uh, she had gotten it for me years ago and I went to make ice cream not too long ago. I get the ice cream maker out. I spent all the time putting all the ingredients together. I had chilled it. It was ready to go. I poured into the ice cream maker, the little metal can of the ice cream maker. I seat the little motor on top of it. I plug it in and it goes. 
Yeah. There was wailing and gnashing of teeth in the house that night. And I was looking going, oh man, I wonder if I can take this thing apart and fix it. No. <laughs> Ain't happening, folks. And so I, I just, I guess that's God's way of saying you don't eat ice cream. You're fat. And so I just chalked it up. Well, there was a waste of cream and milk and eggs and sugar and vanilla. And I think I was making coffee ice cream that day. I had my taste buds set. So I just kind of gave up. Oh, well. Well, not too long ago, it was time for Andy to get a gift. And guess what that gift was? Ice cream maker. And so I've been waiting for the opportunity to get that ice cream maker out. And it sat, and it sat, and it sat. So a couple days ago, I said, you know what? I'm making ice cream. And I'm not going to let it be that waxy stuff you've got to scrape off the top of your mouth. And so I hunted and hunted, and I found the perfect recipe, and I started to mix the ingredients. I've got the whisk out. I'm making those eggs as fluffy as possible. I've got, I'm putting the sugar in. I've got the kids. They've all got their part, you know. Gabe, you do this. Abby, you do that. Danielle, you do this. We're going to make some ice cream today. And the whole time I was using that ice cream maker, I was just thinking, I didn't ask for another ice cream maker. I never said, hey, go get me another ice cream maker. She never said, what would you like? Oh, another ice cream maker. She took it upon herself. She knew. And she brought this ice cream maker for me. And I'm standing there watching this thing churn, listening to the roar of the motor. I was thankful for the gift of an ice cream maker. Why is it we can be thankful for gifts like that, but we so quickly forget to be thankful for the one who saved us? How is it that I can go through my mind making sure I want to do something nice for my family because they got me an ice cream maker? So I'm going to make them ice cream. Even, even crushed up the Oreos so we could sprinkle Oreos on it. Everybody's going to be hitting lickety split after church probably. But I forget so quickly for by grace are you saved through faith. Not because you're special. Not because you earned it. Not because there's something phenomenal about your work ethic. Not because God knew that He was going to get something amazing when He got you. No. But because of Him. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Can we just say thank you to Him? And we just say, thank you, Jesus. You saved me. I didn't deserve it. You died for me. When it should have been my ugly, tattered body on that cross. 
You know why we don't? It's because we don't fully understand our situation and His sacrifice. Made in the image and likeness of Him, rebelled against Him, fallen short of the glory of Him. And He set aside all that he deserved, he put it aside. The one who deserved to live in the lap of luxury came as a poor carpenter. The one who deserved to be, uh, to be doted upon by angels came and was mocked. The one who deserved to, be, uh, to have the, uh, the entire world's wealth thrown at his feet came and had a crown of thorns placed upon his brow. The one who deserved worship was despised and rejected for you and for me. We read verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life unmoved. Why? Can I read this to you once more? And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We should not be able to get through this passage without tears. Do we understand what He did for us? I want you to drop down now to verse 14 with that in mind. For He, talking about Christ is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, verse 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. No more strangers. No more foreigners. I'm a child of God. Let me try that one more time. Just in case it hasn't sunk in yet. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of 
God. If that doesn't excite you, we need to talk. I'm not going to be long today. Because I just felt that I needed to pour my heart out to you. And by God's grace, somebody needed it. Maybe it was just me. But I do want to encourage you this way this morning. Perhaps you're here and you have no clue what I'm talking about. Why is he getting so excited? Why is he so worked up? That doesn't make that much sense to me. I mean, just salvation. If that's you, can I beg you with every fiber of my being to be reconciled to God? Can I beg you with everything that I can? Know Him. Know Him and the power of His resurrection. Maybe you're here and And you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, wow, Pastor, that's me. I'm tired of not getting excited about Him. He did that for me. Can I just say thank you to Him? Perhaps you're here and you're mattering a wet hen at me right now. That's okay, you'll get over it. But I would be remiss if I did not give this to you because I believe with all my heart He is worthy of all my attention. He is worthy of all my praise. He is worthy of all my time, not just Sunday morning. He is worthy of all of my my finances. He is worthy of my children. He is worthy of my home. He is worthy of my attention. He is worthy of my remote control. He is worthy of my computer. He is worthy of my phone calls. He is worthy of everything that I have, everything that I do. He is worthy of uh, me focusing on above all else. He's worthy of that. But have we treated Him as such? When I first came to Liberty Bible Church, not too long after that, I preached a message and I made the statement, when I came to Liberty Bible Church and I joined this body of believers, in a sense what I was saying was, I want you to make me more like Him. And so I'm asking again, will you help make me more like Him? If you see something in me that needs changed, needs edited, needs rearranged in some way, you see my focus going over here when it should be going over there, would you help me get back in line?
And I promise you that I will help you along the same path. But folks, we have got to wake up. 